Napolitani to another edition of Monday Night Napoli and a post-match live rant hybrid episode today. I'm your host as always, Rafa Rispo. Welcome to the Far From Vesuvius Network. Thank you everyone for joining us live here on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter. Um, and also thank you if you're listening to our podcast anywhere you can find a podcast or watching on YouTube. Uh, uh post live uh i'm here today with a very 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 special guest one of my best buds in the napoli uh uh scheme of things here uh joe fischetti of forza napoli calcio podcast what's going on my man how are you today hey rafa i'm doing excellent uh would like to have uh, picked up more points over the last few matches but otherwise can't complain happy to be on the show uh really happy to see that that uh, our good friend, even though our good friend Biz is uh, temporarily not here, you're still keeping it going and, as always, carrying carrying the uh, the torch. So great stuff, Rafa. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. I do appreciate that. Uh, Biz is, I believe, in the chat with us, though. So let's uh, let's go to the chat again. Thanks everybody for joining us there in the chat. Uh, Mateo, I appreciate your uh, your uh, message. Won't be watching live. This was before we went on the air, but he'll catch us live next time but biz is in the building what's going on my man and so is francesco valenti um how you guys doing you know we're all we're all pretty good buds here peter scala says what's up um and emilio is in here too ciao emilio thank you very much peter you guys are chatting amongst yourselves before the show starts saying hey what's up to zeno um Yes, Eccoli, here we are, finally. Sorry about that. And uh, one of our newer listeners or watchers or viewers, Maximus1318 Abel, finally the face to the podcast. Yes, face Joe Fischetti to the podcast. That's right. Uh, Joe, um, not sure if you – I didn't see a post about the Atalanta match yet uh, from you, but I know that you have one cooking up, I'm pretty sure. Um, let's get right into it. Uh, I'm going to go with the starting lineups right away. Um, and this was an interesting one, Joe, because Spalletti didn't have much to his disposal. Did he, uh, three, four, three was what was reported. Ospina, Juan Jesus, uh, Amir Rahmani, um, Di Lorenzo, Mario Rui, Zielinski and Loboka in the midfield with Malqui, uh, and then Elmas, Mertens and Lozano. Um, a very thin bench. Unas was back, uh, but no Insigne, no Fabian, no KK, no Manolas. And, of course, Nguisa out for a little bit longer and Ossiman out till February. What were your thoughts going into this decision that was made by Spalletti, who ended up watching from the uh, box up, up, up top? Yeah, La Finestra. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's funny. We had a fun hour or so after uh, the starting 11 was posted we were all scrambling racking our brains trying to figure out what this was right we were ah, it's a five it's a three five two it's a five three two sure yeah it's a four four two i think paramount plus had four four two i thought it was uh, a four three three with mario rui in the midfield kind of like we saw at the end of the spartak moscow match it turned out to be a three four three and I, i gotta say i'm impressed again with spalletti i mean it's definitely something that atalanta wouldn't have prepared for and I felt like it it put our 
the players that we had it at our disposal in a position to succeed, uh, particularly Malqui and Mario Rui. I mean, we know how quick Malqui is, so playing him as effectively a wing back allows him to get forward. Mario Rui pretty much gets up and down that left wing anyways, whether he's playing as a, a fullback or a left-sided midfielder. So I thought it made sense. And it also, I thought, gave us a bit of balance both in the attacking half and in in non-possession where we know how Atalanta play with their 3-5-2 and how aggressive they are. So that gives you still enough guys. It's similar to a 4-3-3 in terms of you know having seven either defenders or midfielders. You're just flipping mm-hmm. the numbers. Um, I was a little bit concerned with the three-man back line just because we're so thin at center back. But I suspect if something happened, then Spalletti or, or Domenichini in his place would have been prepared to adjust and maybe take off one of those center backs and drop Mario Rui back into left back and adjust that way. So I was in, impressed. And I think, you know, you look at the performance, which I'm sure we'll talk more about. It's hard to, to argue with the setup. Right. And I feel like it was a direct counter to Atalanta's, you know, setup, which is a usual three, four, three, four, two, one. Um, very well rested, Joe. I mean, this was a full squad, if you could, you know, at saying the very least. Um, Juan Musso, Toloi, Demidal, Palomino, Zapacosta, Derun, Froiler, Mele, Pesina, Malinowski, and Duvan. Uh, Midweek, you know, we uh, we we tied to Sassuolo two two. I have a lot to talk about with that too. I want to pick your brain about that also. I heard your podcast. Was it this morning or yesterday? It was one of either this morning or yesterday morning, um, covering that one. And you said a few things that I thought were was very interesting. But uh, that in that midweek, Atalanta played um, a day earlier, and. Uh, a 4-0 win over Venezia without Duvan Zapata, but not just him. I mean, when I say well-rested, Joe, I mean, aside from Juan Musso, who played both matches, you know, normally he's a goalkeeper, right? Only Pessina started the last match and played only 62 minutes. Darun came on and played 28 minutes plus stoppages. And then Toloi came on in the 90th. Nobody who had goals or assists versus Venezia even started the match against Napoli. So that's where we're at between the two teams here. I mean, I'm, I, I've heard various shows, podcasts um, since today, since we, we've decided to come on here today and talk about it. And a lot of people are praising Napoli for the performance, which we you know we'll break it down. But they're praising the Napoli for the performance, given what they had at their disposal versus a full Atalanta team who finally started to score four or five goals a game. You know, they started off slow like they always do, but they've caught their stride a little bit earlier than normal also. Like, this is their best start to it. And isn't it crazy, Joe, the best start to their season? We had tied the best start to our season, and it's so compact in the top four. It's crazy to think that. But but what are your thoughts on, like, this Atalanta side who fielded, I mean, an entire almost an entire bench for Venetia and spanked the crap out of them. And we're kind of licking their lips for Napoli uh, on Sunday on Saturday. Excuse me. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's sort of under the radar, which is surprising that we would, it would go under the radar. But when we talk about depth, we usually, we know how deep Napoli is when healthy. We know how deep Inter is 
not too many people until very recently, until this run of form that Atalanta started going through, have started talking about their depth. But you look at, like us, when healthy at almost every position, they've got one or two guys. And they have a lot of players that are flexible that they can play, especially in the midfield, that can play either as attacking midfielders or as holding midfielders. Pazalic, who, at least against some of the weaker clubs, scores like crazy. Uh, Pessina. Yeah, Coop Miners. So they, they've got so many players and, and because they were healthy and because the schedule favored them this week with that midweek against Venezia, they were able to rotate and still absolutely destroy them, which really put it made this an uphill battle for us. And I think that's why you're seeing so many of the experts praising Napoli's performance here. And, you know, I tweeted this out as well, that I, I felt more positive about this performance than I did about the draw to Sassuolo, even though we got a point against Sassuolo and we didn't get any in this one because just the heart and, and the effort we saw from a lot of players, Juan Jesus, Lobotka, Elmas, guys that are not regular starters, and took it to Atalanta had to play their best to take three points here. And, you know, they're playing at the Maradona, so that's never easy. But credit to our guys, they... I think they instilled a lot of confidence in the fans or, you know, the fans are now a lot more comfortable looking ahead to, you know, Empoli, Milan, uh, Spezia and thinking that, you know, we can actually take get some results here, even against Milan, because they have probably as many injuries as, as we do, especially with key players, Teo Hernandez, Giroud, these guys. Um, so here, care yes that's a huge one so if we can take it to a healthy atalanta squad who's absolutely on fire only inted is is going as well as they are right now then there's no reason why we couldn't take it to milan um and certainly to, to ampli and spezia whereas if we got pummeled in this match if we lost 5-1 5-2 something like that then i think there would be a lot more concern around napoli right now for sure i think uh the the fact that we really gave it to them you know um it shows something, you know, something that we haven't seen in a long time with Napoli. And I, I, I completely agree with you. Um, let's see. We have another message. Oh, Sereno says, what's up, my man from the Fidi de Vesuvio podcast on the Far From Vesuvius Network. Please check them out. They had a show on Friday or Saturday. But go through our uh, YouTube page and check the archives. You'll see it right there. But, Joe, let's continue to roll here. Um, let's let's break this game down. I'm going to do it the uh, a la Joe Fischetti style. We're going we're gonna to kind of break down almost everything that happened here. Um, so in the uh, seventh minute, uh, Malinowski's goal was assisted by Duvon. A long ball by Demidal was perfect for Duvon, who dragged Di Lorenzo and Ramani in and found Malinowski at the edge of the box for a blast. Uh, quickly, they go up one nil, and it, it kind of. And I'm not. I'm going to tell you, Joe. I wasn't very optimistic, as and you know me. You know I'm one of the most optimistic Napoli fans there is on planet earth. I was even like, we're going to get destroyed today. This is not good. Like for some reason, when I saw the starting lineup, I thought to myself, you know, this might, this might turn out. Okay. I think this is going to be okay. And then quickly I was like, no, we're going to get killed. Uh, and then seven minutes in, you know, despite, you know, I guess a, a decent start to the game. Atalanta just blasted home with Malinowski. Um, your thoughts on that goal by Malinowski. 
Yeah, it was a tough one. I mean, I actually thought we started fairly well, or maybe it was just because my expectations were were low. I, I didn't know how we were going to approach this match, and I was um, I was impressed that we weren't just sitting back and and letting them come to us. We were actually taking the game to them and not backing down. We were we were moving the ball around well, so there were some good early signs. And then I agree, they they hit us with this early knockout and. Uh, or knocked down, I guess you could say. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, you wonder how, you know, how's this team going to get back up? And credit to the boys, they responded really, really well. They went right back at Atalanta. We had the Lozano chance that, you know, you wish he converted, but, you know, that right. happens. In terms of the goal, I, I think I'm more inclined to say you just have to tip your hats to the Atalanta players for their efforts. I mean, Duvan is an absolute beast and beast. Yeah. I had uh, Nick from Atalanta Passione and Atalanta pod on for my preview. And we talked about that, that that's right with um, Zapata's play this year. He, he's so strong and there are times where he'll do this to other teams where he'll take matters into his own hands and create a chance, which really came out of nothing. It was just a ball over the top. Um, I know some people, felt like there was probably a handball on Zapata and Osorano in the chat probably <laughs> feel strongly about that one. Personally, I didn't think there was much there. Um, I think, you know, as, as fans, it's easy to, to always favor our clubs, but you, you know, if the way I always look at it to try to be objective is if you were to reverse the roles, if that was our player that inadvertently handled the ball that leading up to a goal, and then that goal was taken away, I think we would all be pretty furious about that. Then you have the finish by Malinowski. He's one of the most dangerous players from the top of the box. When you let him shoot from there, you know, he's got an absolute cannon. I did feel like Mario Rui could have been tighter on him on that play. Uh, but other than that, I, I think you just have to credit, you know, tip your hat to, to Atalanta for the play they made on that goal. Raf Biz, Miss Zapata, he's like the one who got away, which is true. Uh, he definitely is the one that got away. Uh, and then Francesco says, no handball for me, which uh, is probably probably correct. Uh, Joe, you brought up Chuki making uh, uh, some attempts. Uh, he almost scored soon after. Lots of chances both ways, but mostly for Atalanta. Spina made some pretty good saves, too. In the 29th, Lozano had a great run on a ball from Lobotka. Uh, Lozano doesn't take a hard enough shot, though, right, to Musso. Um, so, so signs of Lozano, like really coming into his own, I think he's there. He's almost there. You know, he's just got to kind of put a little more power to the shot. Maybe, um, you know, something is missing from a couple of these guys, but overall, I think Lozano's doing pretty well with the absence of Politano from COVID and, and all that. Um, but you know, that's a fight that we're not going to get into right now. I, I have no side. I have no side. I take no sides on that, and I'm sure you do too. But um, let's get to our goal. Uh, the 40th minute, a free kick by Atalanta's blocked by Juan Jesus, uh, and Labuka brings it up, loses it to Malinowski on an errant pass in the middle of the park. But Di Lorenzo gets it back, sends in a beauty to Chucky Lozano, who finds himself all alone on the right. And with pressure, two, then three defenders on him, somehow keeps the ball and passes it into Lobotka in the middle. Lobotka finds Malqui on the right, who then beats his man and makes a run up to the line, sends it in for a touch to Merten. By Mertens to, to Zielinski, uh, Zielinski gets a shot off. It's saved by Musso, but gets his own rebound and buries it in. Goal for Zielinski, fifth goal 
of the season, four assists now on the season by Zielinski too. Um, what did you think of the goal, the timing of it, the, the sequence? I thought it was great. Um, yep. It was very surprising to me as well. Um, tell me your thoughts. Yeah, excellent goal. I think, first of all, the play that Lozano made, he was all by himself with five or six Atalanta players back there and yeah. pulled up the ball. And, and to me, he, he made up for the chance that he missed with this play because this goal does not happen if he doesn't do this, right? He, he carries to the sidelines, dribbles, dribbles, dribbles. Eventually, everyone catches up to him. And then he finds, uh, I think it was Elmas in the center of the field and a couple passes later and the ball's in the back of the net. Great play by Malqui. Uh, I think he blew past Froiler, if I'm not mistaken, on that play. Um, the layoff by Mertens, he doesn't mm. get credited for an assist because of the blocked shot on the first right. end, but that was a fantastic touch there. He, a, another player that's in amazing form right now. And then this is something that you mentioned, uh, I haven't released the episode yet, but I have one coming. And, and one thing I touched on in the episode is that Normally we see Zielinski hit these balls first time. And, you know, I know you had the admin from the uh, Spartak Moscow account on FFV and right. he posted uh, a pretty funny tweet of uh, Zielinski shot flying, you know, all the way to New York and being part of the Spider-Man preview <laughs> or whatever. And so people have had some fun with Zielinski hitting the ball too high. And this time he took a touch. The first shot was blocked, but he kept it down, gets the rebound, took his time, and blast it low again. And I really felt like there was a conscious effort there to keep the ball down. And I don't know if that's something he's been working on in training with Spalletti or whatnot, but, you know, credit to him for, for uh, making that adjustment to his shot and, you know, great goal. For sure. For sure. We had, uh, we were watching at the shop, Joe, uh, and it was me, my cousin and my Mexican buddy, Gil, who loves Chucky Lozano, obviously, but he's a Barcelona Cusazul Napoli fan. And, um, uh, he said the same thing that you said, that he thought Zielinski was going to blast it wide over the post and instead uh, two shots for him. Um, up to that point, there were only three shots on target for Napoli. Um, if you want to count that Chucky shot to Juan Musso, I guess, uh, but two of them were from Zielinski in that sequence. Um, Elmas goes wide really soon after that, and then that's the end of the first half. So we go into the break first half. 1-1, one, one. you know, I guess uh, morale is pretty good. You know, we're tied with Atalanta. I would have definitely taken a tie. I'm sitting there thinking, you know, this is good. Let's hold it. Let's keep it, whatever. Uh, second half gets started, and in just two minutes, just like that, in the 47th minute, a long ball goes out from the back by Ospina with pressure on. He finds the head of Chuki, who one times heads it to Malqui on the right, and a beautiful, beautiful side-footed one-time pass to an inside Dries who made an equally beautiful run, completely losing Demidal, finds the back of the net dis despite Elmas running with him wide open in support. Goal number five on this Italian season, all five in the last four matches, and now nine shy of 150 all time for Napoli. And they said he was washed, Joe. They said he had no legs. Yeah. He was washed. It was over. Shame, 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 shame on them. <laughs> yeah, I, this was another great goal. Again, Lozano, he wins the header uh, off the Ospina long ball. Beautiful pass by Malqui, just the quick touch with the outside of his boot or, or with the laces. Oh. Mertens, I mean, the play, this to me was 
an experienced striker making a play. Yes. To know, yeah. I was just I'm sorry. Say, go ahead. To, to <laughs> I'm agreeing when, with you. <laughs> to know when to to make that run, to stay inside his own half, knowing that you can't go offside in your own half. Um, and then uh, this is another po- point that I've been making on my show is that I really think that one of the benefits and maybe one of the reasons that Mertens decided to finally have this shoulder surgery, because he said that he's had pain in his shoulder for years and years and he's just been playing through it. Um, I think one of the reasons he might have had that surgery when he did was because he had not fully recovered from the ankle injury from last mm-hmm. season because he seemed to labor when he came back and for the second, like after the, he re-aggravated that ankle injury right? Um, for the second half of last season, he didn't seem to, to be quite the same, but since he got back, he missed the first month of this season. And since he got back, he seemed so much more mobile, so much more agile. So I wonder if that shoulder surgery was also to give him time to get his ankle right. And then again, quality finish. He had, uh, Elmas wide open and I'm glad he didn't make the pass I mean strikers will more often than not take that shot because they they want their goals and they're confident and he's he's playing with a lot of confidence right now but I could have just seen you know he makes that pass and Elmas you know hits it over the bar or something so it was a great play it was a great finish and yeah Mertens is absolutely on fire right now he really is I mean what a goal that was um just the the way the way it happened the the you know the second half starts and we're up two one on Atalanta. What a what a great, you know, few minutes, I guess we could say. Just an, an awesome feeling to be so depleted, but beating a very, very, very good, capable Atalanta side. Um uh next in the fifty-third minute, Demidal takes a great cross to the head of Duvan, who connects with uh the post and it, it deflects off of Ospina Maria able to blast the ball into touch for clearance uh, on the ensuing um, corner. Uh, I believe that's when um, uh, Duvon hit the post. No, that's not the one I'm sorry. Uh, but after the, after that sequence, some more worry uh, because Lobotka easily with a few more underrated performances, um, with a few of the more underrated performances he's had in a Napoli kit. He limps off for Deme in the 55th minute. Um, we'll talk about more about that more later on. Um, but also at the same time, Ilicic comes in for Piscina. Uh, and then in the 65th minute, Malqui is booked and the ensuing free kick that seemed to uh, again find Duvan, but it was actually Demidal who headed it. But Ospina makes a fantastic save to to keep Napoli ahead. But one minute later, a through ball by Toloi finds Demidal, of all people, unmarked, just blasts it over Ospina's head and into the net to equalize some goal. I mean, that was, you know, listen, credit where it's due, man. Demidal just decided, you know what, I'm just going to destroy this ball, see where it ends up. And uh, it was a good thing to do for him because he he drew them level two two. How are you feeling about that? I mean, I think uh, if if it were me, I would sort of, um, I would sort of connect the Lobotka substitution with the downward uh, play. Um, if you ask me, Joe, I mean, I know we're going to talk about how Mertens and Lozano comes off uh, right after the equalizer. Um, you know, straight after the equalizer, Spalletti, uh, you know, or Domenichini, whoever decides to make the sub made it. 
uh, in my opinion, that helped kill us off. But for real, LeBuck uh, coming off, you saw you you definitely saw uh, a decrease in play. I'm not trying to downplay Deme, but LeBuck has been playing much better than Deme lately. Could be because of COVID or what have you. But how do you feel? How do you feel when uh, Atalanta go level? Yeah, just quickly on the substitution uh, or the Lobotka injury, I agree. Like when he came off, we just, our midfield didn't quite play as well. Um, And I agree that Demme hasn't been as good, but he did just get back. So he's still getting up to to speed. Uh, The goal again, you got to tip your hats. I mean, Toloi's pass, we're talking about two center backs here. And it was a, a perfect pass and a striker's finish. I know, you know, it's it's easy to jump on a guy like Juan Jesus. He's obviously, you know, JJ is not KK, right? Like, Koulibaly will probably find a way to, to make a play there. I actually think there was a little bit of a communication breakdown because Rachmani was closer to Demiral before he made that run. And I also think that Rachmani and Jesus were playing the offside, but Malqui and Di Lorenzo didn't push up. If they push up, then we catch them or all offside. And all of that is, again, going back to the depth and playing your backup players. They just don't have the same chemistry that the regular starters do. It's impossible when you don't play as much. So, you know, you can fault the defenders, but I, I understand the situation. Um, and yeah, the shot by, by Demoral was, you know, he made up for losing Mertens on, on our second goal with that goal. Well, you know, like I said, uh, straight after the equalizer, Spalletti takes out uh, Lozano and Mertens. Um, would you have done something differently there? Um, Mertens playing great. I mean, I get everyone's going to talk about his age, his age, his age, his injuries or whatever. But if you ask me, the guy looks like he doesn't want to stop. Like, you know, I, I realize we also don't have, you know, we have Pitania in as a striker and Ossiman's not, not playing with us. So maybe we preserve because we're playing every three or four days. But when you think about it, this was Saturday and we don't play again until Thursday. I think Mertens could have stayed on a little bit longer, if you ask me. I definitely think Lozano could have stayed on a little longer. Maybe take one of those guys out and someone else. Um, I just think that, you know, listen, they equal, even if they planned it to co- for them to come out in the 66 minute, you know, um, hold on, hold on. They equalized. Let's, let's rethink this really quick. Let's hold it back for a second and then think about it because. I'm not taking out my goal scorer and another, you know, player who has played really well in offense when we're, when we're losing it, you know? And, and I don't know, I like, I, I want to believe that that's Domenichini making the choice and maybe not getting, uh, you know, uh, Oh, wait a minute. Wait, forget it from Spalletti, you know, but uh, you know, it happened. What are you going to do? I mean, Unas comes in and Pitania. Unas hadn't played. He's just his first minutes back. Pitania, we know what Pitania is. He's he's good for what he's, you know, his role is. But wouldn't you rather have Mertens out there than Pitania at this point? Yeah, like I was really torn about this. It, it would have been one thing if they had just taken Mertens off before the goal, because then you could have said, oh, well, they wouldn't have known the goal was coming. Sure. But to do it right after the goal, that made me scratch my head a little bit. I, too, mm-hmm. would have liked to see him play another 10 minutes or so. But, you know, I've, I've thought about this a lot, and, and I can think of reasons why they might have done that. 
one of them is I wonder if, to your point, if this was Domenichini just taking his marching orders and they decided before the match, okay, we're going to take Martins off around the 65th minute. And so that's what we're going to do. And maybe if Spalletti's on the touchline, he might have improvised a little bit there. On the other hand, after the Sassuolo match, Spalletti said that Fabian asked to play two extra minutes. And during those two minutes, he got injured. In minutes, he got injured. Sorry. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if that was also kind of in the back of their minds where they're thinking, yeah, we could play him another 10 minutes, but what if we lose Mertens? Then what are we going to do? Are we going to, how can we, can we live with Patania being our, our striker for the next three matches, four matches, let's say. Um, I also think that they have a lot more information than we do in terms of the player's fitness and whatever tests they're doing. And maybe they've just worked out that, okay, after 65 minutes, his form will decline. His risk of injury will increase. Maybe his recovery time takes that much longer. And now we don't have him available. You're right. We do have that extra day between Saturday and Thursday for Mm -hmm. the Leicester city match. And then the last thing I was thinking is that, well, we've kind of played Mertens for 65 minutes, the last couple matches and he keeps scoring. So it seems like a winning formula. It's, Mm -hmm. it's unfortunate that we, we conceded that that we conceded the third goal, but I I think there was some, some, calculations done there and and they guess decided that was the right thing to do but yeah once Patania came on it, it never felt like uh, we were as much of a threat as when we had Mertens and Lozano on I want to bring this up from Maximus 1318 Abel because I feel like he said well so he said for those who are listening and not watching he says why is it such a problem for Patania to use his size to muscle defenders I feel like he does get to muscle defenders I think he does muscle the defenders he's just not quick enough if he's a little quicker yeah you know he'd break away and maybe get some shots on goal but he's not fast so you have to have somebody to compliment him coming up you know on a counter attack guys have to hustle up there you know you can't leave Pitania alone with two three defenders because you know the point is to draw the defenders towards him so you can open up you know that's the problem Maximus it's not really him and the lack of him muscling defenders, he's getting that, right, Joe? I mean, yeah, exactly. I think um, if you're playing the ball to Patania, like we saw that chance that Politano created at the mat at the end of the match, where it started with Patania uh, winning the ball around midfield, and then he he plays the through ball. That's because that pass was played right at him. When you play the ball to him, then he can use his strength, take it down, hold up. And, and find someone but that's why i prefer patania in, in more of a you know situations like in the genoa match where he comes on when we're behind we're pushing forward and you can put patania in the area to win a header that mm-hmm. suits him bringing patania on when you're you're defending a lead i don't think he offers you that much especially when you're just going to boot the ball long because he's not Mm going to get to get there and again going back to your point maybe we should have left chuki on a bit longer he's the type of guy that like we saw that can follow petania up on the box of course yeah or chase that long ball down and maybe he holds it up a little bit right so Mm -hmm. i don't think it's that he doesn't use you know intentionally use his strength we're not putting him in positions to use his strength Daniel D, who uh, was really happy that we were both on to get today together, <laughs> as I 
pointed out uh, earlier with a comment that he put up there. But Max, he says, Max, the problem, I think he's saying the problem with Petania is he seems to always be on the wings. And when he's in the box, nobody crosses for him, which is weird because when he's not in the box, there's crosses coming in all the time. Like if one thing I yeah. notice is that Napoli like to cross to like Mertens or, or to Chucky a lot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know that's that's uh that's that but then he also max did say uh not fast is being nice <laughs> and then luca thank you buddy luca comes in joe nice oh, yeah. no, no, to match no. this, was, jersey this, <laughs> this was more a tribute to rafa because i know he appreciates the the kids i do that i do that that's a the one that oh there. seven oh eight oh seven oh eight i could tell i could tell what that is <laughs> a name and number on the back or no 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 it's just blank uh, yeah. i had the i had canavado i had it. I oh, gave it to my cousin. The letter numbers and letters started peeling off, so I just gave it to my cousin. She appreciated it. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, Max says, "Okay, maybe it's just me then." <laughs> no, listen. There's 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 legitimacy when you when you you know to be upset with Pitania every now and then. I just think people need to realize what his real what his role is on the club. It's it's not to be this like you know this this this. 10 15 goal scorer off the bench you know he comes in to do a specific job and uh we're thin man we're thin right now there's not much more to do you know like uh like joe said i think the smartest thing to do uh would have been if you're gonna take mertens off to put petania and leave chuki because he's fast and can get to the box with him but that's an absolute definite um uh, let's roll on because it doesn't take too long for ladea to regain the lead Ilicic to Froiler. 3-2, Ospina uh, fingertips it, but is beaten. Um, and that's basically uh, all she wrote. I mean, uh, you know, you had Malinowski come out for Pasalic, uh, Muriel come in for, for Duvan and Jim City for Mele. Uh, Muriel uh, in, a, in a substitution role who actually doesn't score, which is rare. Uh, 85th minute, Politano comes in for Malqui. Little late, you think? I mean, um, here's a, another opinion of mine. Malqui played so great and only had four minutes in City A play all season long prior to this game. Why are you taking out Malqui? Like, like, I mean, tactically at that point in time, I guess it might have made sense, but Malqui comes off. I don't know. What do you think? Well, this is one of those things where you can go both ways, right? You can say, well, why didn't Politano come on sooner? Because he looked pretty right. lively. He looked a lot better than he did against Oswolo. So those extra couple of days, he's one of the guys that came back from COVID. The flip side is you're removing a guy that was having a really great second half, a really great match. Right. So you you you, know, you kind of have to pick one or the other. And Joe, I understand because you're taking off a defender to put in an attacker. Are you trying to? equalize i get that i get that but but i think politano should have come in way earlier like if you're if you're gonna take out lozano you put in politano not unas that seems to be mm -hmm. the substitution that's made politano on for lozano or or vice versa um putting unas in right after the goal i mean i think politano should have come in right after the goal if you're gonna make two subs it's petania and politano not unas and then save unas for later if you need him yeah, that makes a lot more sense to me, actually, because also Unas is a guy that hasn't played since he came back from injury. So that's it. He's going to be pretty rusty, too. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. I mean, I get it. We have, you know, Europa League, like we mentioned before, but, uh, you know, five days rest is plenty, you know, and and and, and now it's looking like we're going to have uh, 
was it uh, Fabian back for for the Europa League, and then Angisa back for Empoli? I think that's that's what I'm hearing. I've um, seen that. I, I'm very skeptical about Fabian. I know we were chatting. I think so this. too. Yeah. yeah. Just, I mean, I always look at the training reports and until when I see a guy is doing therapy and training in the gym, that's a Mm -hmm. pretty bad sign. Usually they don't get on the field unless they they've done uh, a full group session. So I think I'm so all over the place because even in senior, I thought for sure he would be back. And then his agent who loves to go on radio stations in Italy and run his yeah. Yep. <laughs> He's a guy. He, he said something like he'll be back on Sunday. So I'm not even sure Insignia comes back. I, I'm really mm. concerned about whether any of these guys are back for Thursday, to be honest. The, we're rounded out with Politano had some great runs, some very good opportunities. And in the second minute of, of stoppages, Una's cross to Marie is blocked. But Petania has an excellent chance to equalize right at the death. Uh, but he pulls it high and wide. Napoli lose. A draw would have had them third as well because Milan beat Salernitana 2-0 and as expected, Inter pumbled Roma 3-0. Um, they were also uh, with suspensions and injuries. But uh, that's all she wrote. There you have it. Milan 38 points, Inter 37, Napoli 36, and Atalanta 34 one to four is a four point difference. And with one negative result, well, I mean, an accumulation of negative results, but one um, hard fought, valiant effort loss to Atalanta. And we are in third. Um, so I guess, Joe, what I'm going to ask you, I mean, here, what well, before I do, actually, let's uh, finish up the chat when our attack is average of five three we cross a hundred times but when Patania's in we don't cross the ball Daniel D says um I think that's what we talked about earlier it's very true Max says he has the speed of a furniture mover um Dan D goes if I'm Napoli I'd target Lorenzo Luca who basically a bigger and faster Patania I saw someone else in here saying Ambrosino should play instead um I'm going to pick your brain about that too, if you don't mind. Petania is third choice striker. Tough to be picky with a third choice striker, says Francesco, which is true. Uh, so late to bring on Petania. I mean, Politano, Malqui going forward was incredible, but on defense, he's a liability. I don't think he was that much of a liability um, in this one. I don't know if you have a different opinion um, on that, Joe. Not really. Other than that one play that you mentioned, uh, where he he conceded the free kick and then they they hit the or Ospina made the save, but I mean that could happen to anyone. I, generally, I mean he's not he's no Di Lorenzo, but for a guy that's probably our backup right back, I think he's he's capable. Uh, what's up with touching the ball? I think he's talking about Dominique. Mario was gonna slap him. <laughs> Remember that? I I should have gotten that still. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been great yeah. to see. Mario was ready to destroy Dominique. Like, <laughs> I think Mario brought. I think that brought out Mario's inner Gattuso. If you ask me, because he looked pissed off. Yeah, but I, I mean, I'm I'm surprised he didn't get a a a, a booking. To be honest with you, you know, why would you touch the ball before it comes out? It's your ball. It's, it's going to be your ball. Yeah, a little bit of coaching jitters there, I guess. Uh, you didn't realize how close he was to the touchline, but a funny moment. Yeah, I don't know if that's a 
and a, a you know a yellow card offense. I'm not really sure what the rules are for that. Zeno says, hope that Malqui performance wasn't a one-off. Could really use more of that from him moving forward. Absolutely. I and again. You know, you, you mentioned earlier about the depth. Uh, I'm going to finish it up really quick. I'm sorry. A little late for Thanksgiving, but I'm thankful for uh, uh, Jose in Serie A. I guess Jose Mourinho. Um, Fidi De Vesuvio is in. What's up, guys? Our lineup being thin is an understatement. These updated injury reports make my head spin. Uh, Pete Scala says, how does that guy fit in a Napoli jersey? But not me, I think is what he's trying to say. Petania, I think he's talking about. Uh, Vesuvio, Fabian has a tendinopathy, so usually this is about three to four weeks out. Ingisa and uh, Insignia should be back soon. Thank you. I'm guessing that's Carm. He's the medical guy. That for sure, for sure. (laughs) Um, I wanted to bring up something that we talked about, um, uh, or that we, uh, Someone touched on here. I'm trying to find it. Malqui moving forward. Okay, I was talking about the, I was talking about the the depth. You mentioned earlier that Napoli's depth, you know, it, it's a good depth, but they don't play a lot together because Spalletti does tend to go with a, a similar eleven all the time. Um, I think our depth is good. I think we have great depth. Actually, I think we're one of the deepest teams in Serie A. But as a second team. As a B team, I mean, we saw a valiant effort, yes, but I'm not quite sure they can hang like Atalanta, like Inter maybe. You know, I think maybe we're better than Milan, our second team, but, but you know, third best possibly uh, uh, B side. Um, I mean, Juve has the names. They have a great, you know, squad all together when you put the names in a hat and draw them out, you know. But um, what do you think about our depth in general, like, are you happy with the depth? What do you want to see uh, moving forward? Um, we need to make some kind of, you know, changes or moves or tweaking. Uh, what do you see, Joe? Yeah, so my my view on depth, and, and I said this last season too when we were going through that injury crisis, is that... Oh. Same time of the year, too, man. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but unbelievable. Well, I do know what it is. It's just the schedule, Um, especially this year. Last year wasn't as many muscle injuries. This year, other than Osman, they're all muscular injuries. But Mm -hmm. to me, when I assess depth, I don't view depth as if I lost my five best players, how would the next five guys up do? I I mean, the reason they're they're the backups for a reason, right? So mm-hmm. I'm not expecting to to beat an inform Atalanta team with all of those guys missing. I look at depth and say, okay, when we play against a weaker opponent, can these guys do a job? When we play maybe against uh, someone in the Europa League group stage where there may be some weaker competition, can these guys do a job and allow our regular starters to rest? And in that sense, we have great depth. When you're playing without all these guys, your depth is gone. And and the issue is compounded because you're now forced to play these guys more frequently. We basically didn't rotate between matches. So it's also your backup players who are more tired than the opponents. You talked about all the rotation uh, Atalanta did against Venezia, right? So, I mean, I, I don't look at this and, and say we, this we can judge our depth on, on this type of match. Would you say Atalanta is the best depth in Serie A from Max? I love this question. They're up there for sure. I think Inter's up there. Um, 
Juve, yeah, like you said, they they have names, but they're they're struggling to put it together. Allegri is mm-hmm. finally coming out of the four four two, but I think so. Yes, I mean Atalanta have this history of of developing players. That, yes, I mean, look at their their youth team. There's like a mm-hmm. thousand names on the list, and and then you know there's always been some speculation about what's going on over there. Uh, you know, Zapata wasn't this big when he left Napoli. I'll tell you that much. No. Um, and then they're also great at finding these diamonds in the rough, and 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 then of course uh, Gasparini seems to turn these guys into into amazing players. So yeah, I think you have to say uh, they're definitely up there. They could very well be the the deepest team right now. Well, you said you know the diamonds in the rough and developing players, but they're also, I mean, you know, Ilicic, Muriel, Zapata. They're they're pretty good on the tra- Muso. They're pretty good on the on the transfer market now too. That they're getting some money in and you know able to able to you know uh, uh, pay these guys too. You know and and yeah, and they're evolving. Yeah, they very are very much so evolving. I mean, so this a couple be, years of Champions League in a row. You know, now this will be this will, this will be their. Four, I mean, this will they'll qualify for their fourth in a row. If I mean, yeah. all all uh, you know, all indications point to this is going to be the top four. I mean, Roma's in fifth by like maybe five or six points behind Atalanta. You know, so um, um, it looks like it. You know, uh, um. Depth is good, but we can't do much when we have almost half a starting 11 injured, maybe another center back in midfield or a midfielder in January. Uh, I think if a center back comes, we'll have to sell Monolos, which might be what happens. I mean, uh, I've always kind of like watched Monolos during the halftime, <laughs> you know, and even after the matches post-match to see how his mood is. And he always seems pretty upbeat when we win. I think he really loves Naples, but I'm not sure he's in the plans. Another center back, like I said, if Manolas goes, then yeah, I can see it happening. Um, what are your thoughts on Bremer? Because a lot of guys on our chat like Bremer. Yeah, he seems like a solid player. I think uh, Ivan Juric is is having his impact. We know how good of a defensive manager he is. I agree on the Manolas point. I mean, it's unfortunate because he's had this weird run of injuries and intestinal issues and all this stuff. And it's, I think that's leading a lot of media to suggest that he's not happy and he could be on his way out. I mean, I don't imagine he'd be terribly happy about being the third option behind Rachmani now, but that's you know the situation we find ourselves in. I, I agree that unless we sell Manolas, we're not bringing a guy in. I'd even be surprised. Honestly, I and I hate to, to say this <laughs> with all the Napoli fans watching and listening, but... I don't think we're going to do a whole lot in January. You look at, we can't get anyone in before this stretch of games where we had to play Lazio, uh, Inter, Lazio, Sassuolo, Atalanta, Milan with you know Empoli and Spezia in there because the window's not open yet. Mm-hmm. Then, yes, we're going to be without Osimhen, Angisa, and Koulibaly for you know January. But are we going to go spend money at inflated rates because in january the prices are always higher and we're still dealing with you know we're still not at full capacity in stadiums there's still a lot of financial we're making up for the last couple of seasons of no no fans in stadiums are we really gonna go spend money in january for a guy that we're bringing into play for a month the only way i can see that happening is if we're also selling someone so yes or or maybe on a loan with option to buy later type of deal Right. Um, I agree. I'm mm-hmm. not. I'm not really too optimistic, if I'm being honest. 
Well, I agree with your take on buying someone for like, you know, the, the short term. I mean, once January is over and then, you know, the guys are back February, Ossiman's back. Now, you know, you got a, a guy who comes in, especially like for those who are looking for us to buy another striker because they just don't like Batania. I mean, who? Where are you going to? You might, you're better off. I mentioned this in the last show I did. You're better off bringing in one of the kids to sit on the bench. God forbid you need to bring him in because Ambrosino's doing really well. You know, uh, uh, the, 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 the attack is doing pretty well when it comes to the Primavera. Speaking of the Primavera, you are the perfect person to talk to about the Primavera. Talk to, we always hashtag play the kids, don't play the kids, whatever, blah, blah, blah. My argument was Napoli were a Serie B, Primavera 2, whatever you want to call them, side. Now they're hanging with the big boys in, in, in Primavera 1, second place. I mean, quite a distance between them and Inter and first Inter, right? Or Roma. I'm Roma, sorry, I forget. Roma. Roma and first. But but still good enough for playoff spots. I mean, that's you don't win the Scudetto by finishing first there. You, you go through the playoffs. So still yep. good enough for that. Um, talk to us about Primavera. We lost this weekend against uh, – it was Inter. We lost yeah, against 2-0. Yeah, but, conti- but, but that loss wasn't enough for them to beat us in the table. We're still second. Surprising. I mean – you know, Frustalupi doing a great job. We got Coley Sacco, who I'm very high on. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, oh, what, uh, Mane, Musso Mane, right? Mm-hmm. Who, who got the call up against Atalanta this week. Um, how are we doing? What's what's going on? What Talk to us. So I agree. I think last season I was, you know, didn't want to play any kids. I'm, I'm much more open to it this season, given yeah. how they're playing, even though they're playing a different formation than what the senior team plays. They play a, a 3-4-2-1 in the Primavera, but they're playing really well. I think we're, we've been helped by how competitive Primavera Uno has been this season. You mentioned Roma's out there ahead. They're six or seven points ahead of the pack, ahead of us mm-hmm. in second. Mm-hmm. Um, guys like, you know, everyone saw uh, Felix Afenagian score those two brilliant goals for yes, Roma. He yes. came from their Primavera. So uh, Roma's Primavera is very good. But after that, there's – I was looking at it today. I believe between Napoli and second, and I don't know who who's down in 11th, there's only three points. That's so right. I noticed, I noticed that very, too. very yes. competitive. Um, in terms of individuals that have looked really good, um, Idasiak in goal – I would not be shocked if next season or maybe we loan him out for a season and bring him back if he becomes our third keeper. He's playing really, really well. Um, at the back, uh, Daniel Hisai, it's a, you know, we, we all have a good laugh that we have another Hisai, <laughs> but he's playing well. Benedetto Barba is playing really well. Coley Sacco has been great just because of his size in the midfield. By I the way, love that, that guy, man. I'm so high on game, him. I don't know how many people watched it, but he got – the most bullshit red card you're ever going to see. So what happened was um, he's, he has the ball. He makes a pass. The Inter player, I can't remember his name, the number 10, he fouls Sacco late, probably an intentional sort of little dirty behind the ref's back type of play. And Sacco reacts, but all he did was kind of a light push on the guy's shoulder and he threw himself to the ground. And the ref on the other side of the field was watching the play. So he turns his head and sees this guy go flying and runs over and, and sends Sacco off for something that maybe is a yellow card. And so we played 
pretty much the entire second half of that match down a man. Mm-hmm. Now, we did get a penalty kick for an equally bad call, so I don't know if that was a bit of a makeup call. And um, Ambrosino did this weird kind of run up. He started, he's right footed. He started to the right of the ball, then shuffled to his left right before he shot and got stopped. Then he hit the crossbar on the rebound. So it was a bit of a crazy game. Um, and then um, Satriano, who's uh, Inter's sort of young superstar that was with the senior team for, for most of the season. He had a great match. He's back down with the Primavera. He scored the second goal. So we lost that one 2 0. But We've got some some really good looking players. Vergara is another player who we, who we called up to the senior team. Um, he missed some time with with an injury, and he just got back recently. And Trophy, who everybody knows, he's had a, a fantastic season as well. So there's there's a lot to be uh, you know positive about with the Primavera. Yeah, well, according to Fidi de Vesuvio, Chofi Zadatka and Ambrosino will lead us to the light. Oh, wait a minute. Chofi, Ambrosino, and Husai will lead us to the light. <laughs> okay. Uh, Husai lead us to the light. I like that. Uh, Francesco asked where you can watch Primavera matches. I I feel like it was like Sport Italia, right? Okay. Am, am I Sport right? Italia app. So okay. most of the time you can catch the games live, but sometimes they're at like crazy 4.30, Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like uh, if I can remember, they only play one match at a time. Is that correct? Like, uh, I think sometimes they'll have a couple games, but yeah, they, they spread them out. Um, But they always upload, or almost always. There was one match for some reason they didn't upload the full match afterwards, just the highlights, but... I would say 90% of the time, Sport Italia app has the full match replays available there, mm-hmm. and it's free. Yeah, sure. Uh, perks of Napoli being in Primavera 1, right? Uh, exactly. You know what would be really cool, man, if we can get to the Champions League and um, have them showcased there. You know, I know I know, we were there a couple years ago, and it was pretty treacherous. Um, but... Um, uh, I think it was the last time we were in the Champions League. They really did bad in the group stage. I think that was the one with Liverpool and PSG in it, I, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, uh, I think maybe now it'd be nice to see what they could do against the rest of the world. I'm just upset about the structure. Like, if, if your senior team is in the Champions League, then your youth team gets to play in the youth Champions League or the youth league, whatever they're calling it. I think they're still calling it the youth league. I think you should be you know rewarded for your performance just like you are in the senior team and go play these competitions you know i mean that's my opinion but hey you know whatever <laughs> we finish in the champions league it doesn't really matter um let's look ahead really quick because we've got uh we've got some stuff to coming up also um napoli have to oh actually they're staying right where they are and they have to play against Leicester City in Europa League on Thursday, 12.45 p.m. Eastern, at the same time as uh, Legia and um, Spartak, you know, playing at the same time. Uh, a lot of things have to happen here. Um, there's only, thankfully, there's only one scenario, which I believe you put a graphic. Was that you who put the graphic up yeah. for the scenarios, right? Yeah, I think that was you. I remember seeing it was like, wow, this is great. One scenario sees Napoli out of Europe completely, which I'm sure half of you here really want to happen. Um, and knowing Napoli, that's probably what will happen. Where's, where's Pete? Luck, right? me, me and Pete, Pete is in here now. somewhere. Yeah, forget <laughs> Pete, man. <laughs> I'm so on the opposite side. Of, yeah. I, I, like, like, we want the same achievement, 
but he wants to go one route and I want to go the other route. You know, you know what I mean? But uh, where is he at? Is that him coming there in? Is. Oh, no, that's, <laughs> is that him? Yeah. Yeah, there he is. Where is he? Oh, you got to scroll down. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> yes. He just says yes. Okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, basically, Napoli advanced to the next round of the, uh, of the Europa League with a win. With a win, they'll win the Group C as long as Spartak does not win. A draw will see Napoli go to the Conference League. Napoli can also qualify for the Conference League with a loss as long as Legia does not win. Otherwise, Napoli are out of Europe completely. Uh, Leicester City, eight points. Spartak, seven. Napoli, seven. Legia, six. Uh, Joe, what do you think, man? Uh, I mean, for me, ideally, uh, we win and Legia win, um, or sorry, Legia don't lose. So right. we win and Legia win or draw, we top the group. Uh, I'm totally fine with that. What I what I want to avoid, and for me, if I had to rank the possible outcomes, and I know, Raf, you're not going to like this either, but I would have win the group first. Mm-hmm. If you don't win the group, I'd rather finish bottom of the group. <laughs> what I don't like is the idea of finishing second and having to play those two additional matches yes, yes, uh, before yes. going into the, the knockout stage. But I would still prioritize that. So that would be my third rank. Uh, and then finishing third, which is the most uh, most likely out of the possible, out of the nine situations, nine scenarios, five of them result in us finishing in third that's the very last thing i want because now you're still playing those extra two matches but they're not even in the europa league they're in the conference league and that that point i say play all the damn kids you have well that's what i was just gonna put up here the conference league would be the worst result peter scala says but bizarro says conference league hashtag play the kids hashtag fuck it I'm with Bizarro here. I I I, I know. I, so you said I wouldn't be. Uh, I wouldn't agree with what your take is, but I actually agree with it completely. Like if we're not gonna win okay. this group, if we're not gonna win the group, I mean, obviously, I'm okay with finishing in second place. Um, to stay in the Europa League because I rate the Europa League. I'm sorry. I know a lot of you out there don't. I'm looking right at you in the screen. I know a lot of you out there do not rate the Europa League. I absolutely rate the Europa League. And if we win the Europa League, I'd be very, very happy camper this season. But I want to finish in first. If we finish in second, I'll be pissed. I'll be happy we're still in the Europa League, but I'll be pissed because we have to play those two games in February with injuries, with, with people out, with this, with that. If we could avoid two matches in February, Joe, I'll be the happiest dude. And if that means being out of Europe, then fine. So be it. But if we do get to the Conference League, I'm all for playing the kids, man. Make it a mixed bag of bench players and the kids. Do it. Do it. Because guess what? The teams that are in that competition, you could probably... You could probably beat the crap out of them with some of the kids in the bench. Like, I mean, that's just the the way it is. It's the truth. I mean, it's a trophy. Don't get me wrong. Conference League is a new trophy, but it's a trophy nonetheless. And if we win that, I'll be happy, of course. But, I mean, not like it would be for the Europa League or the Champions League or Scudetto or Coppa Italia even. Like, you know, it's, it's nice to be – maybe it would be nice to be the inaugural Conference League winners, but – I'm, I'm, I mean, 
Champions League and Scudetto would be way more important for me than the Conference League. The Europa League, I need, I, like, I need, we got to win. Uh, for me, it's just got to win. No matter what, we have to win this match against Leicester City. And I would not make, I would not deviate from a plan that Spalletti has in his mind to, to, to get that, to achieve that. Because another thing is, Joe, after this match with, Leicester City, we stay home again against Empoli, right? And then we have a full week off until Milan. And I that it was could... an away match. I could be wrong, but um, no, actually, Napoli and Empoli are at, are, are at the Maradona okay. Okay. this time around. Let me double check. I yes, yes, at the Maradona on the twelfth. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so two two Serie A matches in a row at the Maradona, it happens, you know. That's yeah, yeah. kind of what happens. But yeah, but then 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 uh, on the nineteenth at two forty five p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Milan Napoli, the showdown of showdowns. Uh, three days after that, it's Napoli Spezia, and then we're on Christmas break where we get Juventus on January sixth at Interim, um, and then three days after that, January 9th, Napoli Sampdoria. And then three days after that, it's Coppa Italia. So it's like still meaty, these these schedules, you know? And that's another big reason why I don't want to play in February in Europe. You know, get us a bye to round of 16 or, you know, conference league, play the kids, or if we're out, fine. You know what I mean? But, um, yeah, I mean, what? Wh- how do you think Spalletti fields uh, against Leicester? I think it's going to be almost identical to what we saw except you would probably see Dema play in Laboca's position. And if Insigne is fit to play, then he'd start on the left wing and you have Elmas as another option in the midfield. Um, <laughs> can, 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 I, can I cut you <laughs> yeah, off? I saw <laughs> Fili de Vesuvio says Roma played the kids. It got slapped up by a Wi-Fi password. <laughs> False. Roma played their bench and got slapped up by a Wi-Fi password. That's they didn't right. even play the kids. They played the bench. And they got effed up. So and then yeah, they got disowned he, by Mourinho. <laughs> yes, yes, that's right. That's right. Which probably is the reason why he brought up uh, the, the kid from from Ghana. <laughs> yeah, Finnegan. Yeah. Finnegan. Yeah. Is it from Ghana? Is it Ghana? Again. That I'm not sure. I could almost. I could almost. Uh... Anyway, <laughs> sorry, I lost my train of thought. Yeah, but, but on I, the back to the Leicester match, though, I mean. Yeah. It's an interesting one because Leicester have really struggled. I, I don't, and I'm not an expert on the EPL by any stretch. I hardly watch any of it. But what I do know is that they're down, I think, in 11th in the table. Yeah, they're not they, rest, doing well. they didn't even start Jamie Vardy on the weekend. So they're yeah. actually now resting guys to play them in the Europa League. So it's going to well, that whole group isn't doing that well, are they, Joe? I mean, that yeah. whole group yeah. in their domestic really leagues are. aren't doing that well. Yeah. Yeah, Legia and Spartak are down near the bottom of their respective tables. It's crazy. But then, you know, I guess so they're all putting their eggs in the uh, the Europa League basket, mm-hmm. and that's what's mm-hmm. made this probably the most interesting group. Yeah, man. Um, I, I'm, uh, again, guessing this is Carmine. I'll be at the Spezia match. Well, I hope you represent, brother. And, uh, guys, I really hope that uh, 
if we're in a Scudetto contention come May, we can all somehow get out to Naples and party because that would be great. I can't just sit here in, in upstate New York while Napoli, you know, fight for a title of some sort. It just can't, I can't do it. Can't do it anymore. Uh, Sean says no consolation league. Luca says just an, such a Napoli thing to have those two Spartak games go the way they did. Yeah. Could this possibly be the one team that beats Napoli twice all season? I mean, maybe it's a possibility. Um, Pete says, give me Scudetto or give me death. (laughs) Oh man. I agree with Joe. Uh, Pasquale says top of the table or bounce from Europa altogether. I like Europa, but want nothing to do with conference. Um, Hell yeah. Meet up at Napoli says Fran and Ralph biz is crying, laughing at the Wi-Fi password thing. So guys, uh, hey, I mean, Joe, unless you have something else that you want to add about what's coming up, I mean, Empoli on the weekend, uh, it's another noon match, which upsets me because I have to cut hair during it. But, um, uh, we're looking at, uh, we're looking at some people coming back for that match, like we spoke about earlier. Um, it's a very important match. I believe all the big teams don't really have tough, tough opposition that week. Uh, uh, I'm I'm thinking that uh, let's see here uh, really quickly. Oh, Derby della Lanterna is on Friday, which is always hot and heavy. Fiorentina plays Salernitana, Venezia, Juventus, Venezia. You know they're hot and cold. You know, I mean they blew this big three three nil lead in the second half to, and I only saw the second half, which was great. Um, uh, Giovanni Simeone is just unbelievable. Udinese Milan, that could be tough for Milan. And they're on the road. They're hurt. You know, Udinese is a tough team. You saw what they went through with Lazio in the midweek last week. Atalanta play Verona, another tough match. Uh, and then uh, Inter play Cagliari. That's a win for Inter. Never mind. Uh, uh, you know, how do you, how do you see that going down? I mean, we have... A real chance. I mean, Empoli is another tough team. They are a tough team. Um, they sit in uh, they they sit in eleventh, but with twenty three points, only uh, two points behind Roma in seventh. So, not too shabby, you know. Um, and uh, four points behind Juventus and Fiorentina in fifth and sixth. Tough team. What do you think? Yeah, like I expected them to stay up because of how well they played in Serie B, but I didn't think they would do this well. They're they're mm-hmm. a very good team. I'm I'm glad to know that I was uh, I was thinking they were we were playing away from home. We're going to play that at the Maradona. I think that yes. gives us a, a big boost as we saw against Atalanta. So it's definitely not a match you can take for granted, but it's still a match I think we can and should win. Likewise for Spezia, which is our last one before the break, which means you know that's six points. If we can get even a draw, I was doing the math. I think if we can draw Milan, then I think worst case, we're three points back of Inter, assuming Inter win all of their matches. So, you know, if we were, you know, I think most people would be pretty happy heading into the break, only three points behind Inter um, with all of the injuries that we've had, obviously. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of my feeling right now. Who is to you the credible Scudetto contenders? Uh, I mean, I know we we've been running with Milan, but here comes Inter. Um, you think Inter is the more 
like dangerous contender than Milan is, or do you think Milan will hang around this time? They, they kind of, you know, the wheels fell off the wagon a little bit last year. Um, and Atalanta, like we mentioned, having the best season so far of, of their lives, uh, only four points out of first. Um, they've actually something that's crazy. Gasparini said, and you guys know, I can't stand Gasparini, but God did that team just, he knows how to coach, man. He just does. He does. Uh, he said that, you know, we, we, we're not going to talk about Scudetto because we never were in first place. Like in this entire run of how many years, never once did they even sit in first at all. So he goes, I'm not talking about it, but, Real possibility this season, I think, you know, and uh, here I thought Atalanta were going to go down or not down to City B or anything, but, you know, have a downward season. And here they are. Um, yeah, I mean, a healthy Napoli is the, the most dangerous to the Scudetto, but that's the problem is a healthy Napoli. It's not an existent, especially this time of year. Inter start January, Bologna, Lazio, Juve, and Atalanta. Yeah, hopefully they start dropping some points. Yeah, but that's another thing. Inter never get really injured, too. So. My question again, is it Inter, is it Milan, is it Atalanta, is it us? What do you think, man? If, if, I, you, had to, if you had to think about it now, like now, who's winning the Scudetto at the end of the season? Yeah, well, I think you just said it right there. Inter somehow have found a way to stay healthy. I don't know what they're eating, what their training regiments are, but mm-hmm. to me, they're, they're the most difficult, um, the most likely, I would say, to win the Scudetto looking at it right now. Milan is like us, right? It's if they didn't have all the injuries, then they'd be they'd have a great shot, just like we would, and and might still if we start getting these guys back and we can weather the storm. Just I know Inter will have maybe that tough stretch of matches there, but we eventually have to play those teams too, right? That might just be a temporary time where we can get ahead, or they might drop some points, but eventually we're going to play those same teams, so you know we're going to have to pick up some results. Um, and then Atalanta, I think, yeah, it's it's hard to pick them to win the Scudetto because they haven't done it, and and to your point, haven't even topped the table. But they're actually, you know, and as you said, they're having their best season. They're even though they always seem to start a little bit slow and and pick up, and you know, later into the season, heading into December, they're still ahead of schedule compared to previous seasons. So I think that we have to take them a lot more seriously. Uh, you know, four points in, in such a competitive year where, yeah, the top four are starting to outpace the rest of the pack a little bit, but that doesn't mean that those teams from fifth through 10th or 11th right. can't take points away from the top clubs on, on any given right. match. Play spoiler. Yep. Exactly. Yep. yep. Uh, uh, we, we we showed you Fili de Vesuvio saying Inter start January, Bologna, Lazio, Juve, and Atalanta. Hopefully they start dropping points. And then they have a stretch with Milan, Napoli, Sassuolo in February, which means they have an easy run at the end, man. Like they the schedule definitely favors Inter in that, you know, regard. Yeah, I get everybody has to play everybody. And hopefully they can drop a lot of points in that stretch. But if they don't, psh, watch out. They stay healthy. But. On the flip side, and this is something that just popped into my brain right now, Joe, is this season, unlike the last three or four seasons, they play in the Champions League in February and March. So, you know, that's something that they haven't had to deal with. They haven't had to deal with that with Conte or Spalletti. And now here comes Inzaghi, who is only going to be in his second season ever in the Champions League. You know, in the knockouts as well. He got Lazio to the knockouts. They didn't do well against Borussia Dortmund, 
but here they are playing in the uh the, you know they they've clinched the knockout rounds they're in um so that's something that that we have to take into account too inter will be occupied you know preoccupied with champions league something a little bit different uh, also this week uh, i think tomorrow right is inter and milan they play their champions league games we'll know if milan is going to make it to the champions league uh knockout stage or be out of europe altogether or in the europa league and, um, you know, Atalanta and Juve have already wrapped up there. No, I'm sorry. Atalanta haven't wrapped it up. They have to win um, also. So you could potentially see Milan and Atalanta out of the Champions League, right? Napoli possibly out of the champ- the, the Europa League or Europe or whatever. Like th- there could be a lot of teams out of Europe completely come Thursday. Um, so we have to really take into account that too. Inter is in the knockouts, so they have to play February and then again in March. So there's there's that. Well, and I suspect that's why our friend Pete wants them to drop out of Europa because imagine, I mean, it's a long shot, but let's say Milan pull off a miracle and, and advance in the Champions League. Mm-hmm. You know, Inter and Juve are already through Atalanta. Hopefully they go through as well because I want everyone to play as many games as they can. Imagine if Napoli is the only team not playing in Europe. I mean, that does give us a bit of a boost like we saw with Inter last season. Right, exactly. Um, Maximus says, when is the Milan game for Napoli? Two or three Sundays. Check the ticker right underneath you, buddy. Milan, Sunday, December 19th, 2.45 p.m. So that is in in two and a half weeks. So we play Empoli on Sunday at the Maradona and then a break for an entire week. Yes, that's true. A break for an entire week. And then Milan at the San Siro in the big, big showdown. There's another big match, I believe that weekend as well. Let me check that really quick. Um, Milan, Napoli and uh, Atalanta, Roma. I mean, as big as it can get Inter play Salernitana. See, I mean, uh, it's tough. It's going to be tough, man. There's a lot of tough teams in Serie A, but there's a lot of really bad teams that you can pretty much lock in to win. Salernitana is one of them. Um, one quick thing so, on the schedule. I, I'm i trying to think of, I don't know about the other teams, but I feel like at least in terms of these top six, top seven matchups, I feel like we've had more away games. At least the harder ones have been away. Like, like it. Yeah. Inter and Milan have both been away. Roma was away and they played like the game, the one good game they play all year, of mm-hmm. course, was against mm-hmm. us. Lazio was at home, but they're a bit further back. Juve, uh, was, <laughs> it was at yeah, home. Yeah. At mm-hmm. home. Um, but also a little bit further back. So, you know, that's something that, that may help us a little bit in terms of the schedule, at least as far as the, the Milan teams go, we'll be playing those games at home in the second half of the season. Right, right, right. Exactly. Uh, and with, you know, both Cordova's back too, um, you know, and hopefully back to stay, um, you know, things are back to normal. Hopefully, uh, guys, we're on an hour 15 now, so we're going to say goodbye. Thank you very much for Joe Fischetti for coming on. I'm surprised nobody mentioned that I chopped all the beard off. Uh, I had to do it. COVID reasons, just the way it is. Yep, it's gone. Babyface, my fiance calls me babyface, even though there's clearly a beard here. Uh, also, shout out to NYCFC, your 2021 MLS Eastern Conference champions. The first trophy for 
NYCFC. Hopefully we get the big one on Saturday at three. I'm not watching Serie A on Saturday at three. I'm watching NYCFC hopefully win the title. Here is my NYCFC kit, Rafa 83. Boom. I'm buzzing about that. Thanks, guys, for the love on Twitter. Uh, Joe, there's no reason you have to plug yourself because everybody knows you and loves you. But do it anyway. Why not? <laughs> well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, Raf. Uh, but yeah, I mean, for those who don't know, uh, at Joe underscore Fischetti5 is my account. You can find the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Forza Napoli Pod and wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, if you're like the one guy under a rock that doesn't know who Joe Fischetti <laughs> and Forza Napoli Pod is, there's your info. <laughs> Please support him. Support all the Napoli content that you can find. Follow us on Forza, uh, Forza Napoli podcast. Follow us on Far From Vesuvius Network. Uh, download our podcast anywhere you can find it. Apple, Google, Spotify, Spreaker, Podbean, SoundCloud, YouTube itself here has uh, the podcast too. But why would you do that when you could watch us? But yeah, download us, watch us, listen to us, support us, rate us, subscribe, like this, that, do all that stuff. Um, Joe, again, thank you so much. Joe, come to the meal on me. Hey, Joe Fischetti is... Yeah, I might... I might make an appearance. That's actually my birthday that game. So maybe oh, I'll, I'll, I'll no <laughs> oh, now we got to win that yeah, game. Yeah, oh, yeah. come on, man. We have to. Scoundrel Pilled is in late, but he's in unless he was watching and couldn't uh, comment. Forza Napoli Sempre. Forza Napoli Sempre by Ralph and Sean. Uh, Fili de Vesuvio. Another great guest by Maximus. He's not just a guest, Maximus. Go back and go back and rewind this and listen to his uh, plug and listen to his podcast. It's the most I'm going to I'm going to plug you now. It's the most informative Napoli podcast that I've ever listened to in my life. He 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 is so organized and he talks about not just Napoli, but Primavera news, league news, anything that pertains to Napoli, Feminile, Napoli Feminile as well. Uh, isn't it a shame that Grosso went to Juventus? Come yeah, on. I know that it's sucks, man. I love yeah. her. I don't love her anymore. I love her. <laughs> Come on, but yeah, man. Uh, Max, please do me a favor. Do yourself a favor and download his podcast, uh, the 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 Fortunately Worldwide segment two, where he's got a bunch of people on, um, and you know you get their stories if he if they haven't been on before, but you also get another perspective of other people. Um, he had the Atalanta guy on similar to what we are doing with, uh, uh, frenemies. I haven't done one in a little while. Things have been crazy, but I'm going to keep it going. Um, so much stuff, so much stuff to, uh, support and to listen to and to watch. Uh, and it's only going to get better, right, Joe? Yeah. Well, the, first of all, thank you. That was a much better plug than I gave myself, <laughs> but, but yeah, no, I, I appreciate everyone that listens. And, and likewise, I mean, I, I love FFV. I'm one of the, the old school guys that catches the you audio. Really are, Joe. Audio. No, you really are. And yeah, I appreciate audio. you too. I thank you very much for that. Cause I'll tell you what, that, that means a lot to me. We, we work so hard, you know? Um, Oh my gosh. I can't believe I forgot to, to, beast of the match i can't believe it give me one second just give me one second stay with me joe i'm gonna show off my beast of the match beast of the match napoli i gave a beast of the match even though we lost i had to i had to this is crazy ready who's your beast of the match here's ours whoop 
Hold on. Who's your piece of the match? Here's ours. Yes. Beast of the match was Kevin Malqui, if you could believe it or not. Really quickly, I thought I thought Malqui played splendid. Four minutes of Seti on time before this match. I could have easily given it to Lobotka too. He pulled up with an injury and came off. That's no reason to not give him a beast. But for me, it was just Malqui's game. I thought he was great. I thought he his performance stood out, and I really, really want to see more of that from him. Uh, uh, Joe, do you agree? Do you disagree? Do you have a different take? No, I think I think you got it right with this one. Great, great game for Malqui, especially that second half. So great to see. Happy that happy that we brought him back uh, from where was it Fiorentina? Yeah, yeah, it was Fiorentina. Yeah, I'm happy that we brought in uh, a, a lot of the guys that we had loaned out previously. I think I think keeping them is key to our depth right now. I mean, Unas is Unas. He's playing great. He's he's hungry. He hustles. But Malqui, we saw we saw what he could do. You know, and and we've seen it before. But you know, the trend of loaning him out or not playing him too much. You know, injuries too um, um, could have really been you know. Uh, uh, something that, you know, we could have missed out on. But I think he's a solid, you know, backup, and I think he played really well. He deserves today's beast of the match, um, and that's going to do it, Joe. Thank you for hanging in for that. I appreciate it, even after all of the, you know, goodbyes. But we'll say goodbye now. Um, don't forget to download Joe Fischetti's podcast, Fortunopoly Pod, um, uh, and you'll uh, hear everything you need to know at all about everything Napoli. Um for Far From Vesuvius, I'm Rafa Rispo. Ciao, ciao for now. And Forza, Napoli, sempre.